As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Andy. Quick programming note. We're going to give Ari Wasserman... Another day to recover from his bachelor party. Apparently, it was pretty epic, and I want to make sure he is completely able to describe all of the debauchery, plus this mind-blowing riddle that he keeps telling us about. And we're going to rank the most important people on each of some of your favorite college football teams for this upcoming season. So we're going to do that on Wednesday's show. Today, we're talking to Matt Fortuna. we got a lot to talk about. Matt wrote a great story in The Athletic about coaches who have gone from coaching in college to the NFL and why they're never, ever coming back. Plus, we talk a lot about Notre Dame. Remember, Matt and Peep Sampson are co-hosts of the Shamrock. They are our foremost experts on Notre Dame football. So we talk about the transition from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman and the long, long walk Brian Kelly took up a flight of stairs that uh, you probably haven't heard about yet. Also, we talk about Pat Narduzzi's extension at Pittsburgh, 2030. That's a long time, but that may be the solid situation, the security that Pitt needs. We all know how we feel about Pitt on this podcast. We don't bet on them anymore because they made me eat mayonnaise that one time, and then I bet on them again. I lost again, and I, I just you know can't, can't trust them. But they found a coach they can trust, He's going to be there until at least 2030, at least according to this contract. We'll talk about that with Matt Fortuna next on the show. Matt, how, how are things going? And uh, have, you, have you gotten a chance to, uh, to recover from a, a coaching change at Notre Dame that you and Pete Sampson had to cover so thoroughly a few months ago? Well, thanks for having me, Andy. It's uh, it does feel like it's been a while, probably because we did like every Tuesday during the playoff rankings and we yes. just got so used to it. So. Um, it, it's been a minute. Uh, you know, the coaching change was take every single angle of a, a coaching search, a coaching move, throw it into like a three-day window, and that's what me and Pete had to deal with. I mean, it was – we were fairly blindsided by it. I mean, just the idea of Brian Kelly going to LSU, I, I don't think the idea of Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame was that shocking, although, again, he had just become the winningest coach there. They were still alive for a playoff berth at that point in time. And he had just pretty much hand built 
his own personal house right on campus there. So <laughs> it, it was surprising. Um, in some ways, Notre Dame took mercy on us because they made an internal promotion that same week. So it wasn't this crazy multi-week or in-season search like USC's where, uh, you know, you've got leaks coming left and right. You've got some coaches expressing interest for a leverage play. It was pretty cut and dry. So in that regard, um, they took mercy on us. And so far from a media perspective, you know, everyone's undefeated, right? It's a, it's a honeymoon period. Well, I guess he's not undefeated. He coached the bowl game, but Marcus Freeman is, is still with this full staff that he hired is undefeated. And so everyone's in a good mood and they're, they're pretty accessible and um, it's been pretty fun to cover so far. And yeah. it's been a change for me. I mean, I, I covered them from the second year of the Kelly era on. So this is the first time I had a, a nerd in coaching search. Pete, on the other hand, had like five or six. Most of <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a wily veteran. Period of time. <laughs> so now we had Luke Fickle on, and he says of, of the ex-Buckeyes who have become head coaches, uh, he still likes his chances in the head coach Royal Rumble over Marcus Freeman. But I feel like Marcus Freeman's got an age advantage. Uh, uh, Fickle, you know, the, the traditional folk style wrestling, but doesn't Marcus Freeman have some kind of judo training in his past as well? Yeah, I mean... He's the son of a military man. I mean, you can't underestimate that. The guy was an unfortunate, you know, heart valve test away from being in the NFL probably and was a high-level performer on back-to-back national runner-ups at Ohio State. And, I mean, you see him now. He's a lot slimmer than he was in his playing days, but he's in the weight room with those guys. You can see the Twitter videos, like, in a way that most head coaches probably aren't, uh, you know, at the crack of dawn. So, I mean – we we probably have to go down the list to determine who's the best. I mean, I guess Steve Adazio doesn't count as a Buckeye because he was with Urban, but not in Ohio State. Uh, same with Charlie Strong, but I I think I still think Vrabel. Like Fickle says, he oh, can bro, take Vrabel. Vrabel. But, Sorry, I'm but going Vrabel, Vrabel. You know, we don't usually count him because he's in the, in the NFL. But I I just feel like Vrabel has the right level of intelligence slash crazy. When you play that long in the NFL, you just have to have that and. That's that's where I, I think he's got the advantage, but uh, I'm curious, Matt, because you know the the situation at Notre Dame did stabilize very quickly, and Freeman obviously it, it's it's crazy because he'd only been there a year. You know, he'd been working on Fickle staff at Cincinnati before that. Uh, famously picked Notre Dame over LSU as the defensive coordinator, but once he got that job, you started watching the stuff that came out of there. It felt like he'd been there forever. It really did, Andy, and it wasn't just the defensive players, which you would expect, right, from a defensive yeah. coordinator. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for um, stereotypes, for lack of a better term, when it when it comes to calling someone a player's coach or saying this guy's loved by his locker room and right. he's a great recruiter, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of coded language there. That's not the case with Marcus Freeman. Obviously, he is a player's coach. He is a great recruiter, uh, but from day one. Um, when he got there as defense coordinator, he really won over that whole university. And when I say whole university, I'm talking about administrators, high-level donors, um, the rest of the people in the football building. I mean, when the the announcement became official, I remember it was Friday morning. I tweeted a couple minutes beforehand, and I'm boarding a plane to go to Las Vegas uh, for the Pac-12 title game that night. And I had a call from a donor I hadn't heard from a while who was – the giddiest I'd ever heard of. And this is a wealthy man who's experienced a lot of success, uh, both personal and professionalist career. And he just said, the minute we got him a year ago, the minute I, I met him a year ago, I knew this was our next head coach. And Marcus Freeman really has had that effect 
on pretty much everyone he's come across so far at Notre Dame. And even, you know, deep into his past, I remember I was at the Combine, which we'll get to with, with the story we're, we're, we'll talk about later, but I remember I was at the Combine a couple weeks ago, and I was with Jason Lloyd, um, mm -hmm. our Cleveland columnist, who uh, a lifetime ago covered Ohio State. And I said, did you by chance cover Marcus Freeman, a player? He goes, I did. I loved him. He was great. I ran into Doug Lay Maurice from Cleveland.com. Oh, yeah. like, I remember writing about Marcus Freeman wanted to become an AD when he was a player. Instead, he became a head coach. So uh, you always want to like, – we're jaded in our business you know, by, yeah. by, by nature. We've seen so much stuff, and uh, you know, we, we're always approaching things with a skeptical eye. But you know, not as if I'm looking for Dur or Marcus Freeman, but every single person I've come across in his life, from Cincinnati, from Ohio State, from Purdue, from Kent State, from Notre Dame – Every single one of them has the exact same things to say about him. And so far, uh, that's proven to be true. Of course, they go 8-4 next year. I'm sure a lot of people will be singing a different tune. Right. But uh, right now, everyone's undefeated and everyone's having a good time in South Bend. Well, and I think it, sa it says something. Because Notre Dame is not really a place that, that makes impulsive decisions. And that they arrived at that decision so quickly when everyone knew there would have been some pretty oh, – yeah accomplished candidates. I mean, I think Matt Campbell would have probably been interested in that job. Luke Fickle probably would have been willing to listen. So some very accomplished people would have wanted to talk to them about that job and they shut it down pretty quickly. So he must have made a pretty big impression on them in, in a, in a short time. He definitely did. Andy. And part of it too, is the, you know, the time frame of it and the position the program was in. Um, you know, Brian Kelly isn't exactly getting, um, you know, Christmas cards anytime soon, I think, from anyone in South Bend. But the reality of the situation is that man did a hell of a job fixing oh, a yeah. beyond broken program when he got there. And it was, I wouldn't I, go so far as to say it's on autopilot right now, but like the, the pieces are there for them to win big yeah. immediately. I remember being at the college football award show in 2009 when they had just fired Charlie Weiss. They had not hired Brian Kelly yet. And, and Lewis Nix may he rest in peace, committed to Notre Dame. And I was like, wow, that's the first piece of good news that program's gotten, and I can't remember how long. And it's just, it, now you look at it, they are perennial college football playoff contenders. Uh, the, the one year they played in the ACC, they played for the ACC title. Uh, the, the recruiting is is actually better now than it, than it has been in those previous years when they were winning a bunch of games. So it, it is interesting to to see how much Kelly did in the time he was there, but you're right. The personality one and the way he left probably will, will probably keep him from getting his due for that from, from anybody there. The way he left. I mean, that's just, that was the most surprising part to me, right? Like he's been a pretty smart guy in terms of non-football matters, most of his career. And for him to leave and leave on those terms and leave, in the middle of a playoff chase, like you just, you just pissed away your legacy, man, at arguably the most famous college football program in, in all the land. So that part was, was why it was so perplexing to me. And the other part, I think he really erred in, in coming back the next morning to explain to his team that he was leaving. Uh, I think, you know, I think there'll be people committing to Notre Dame and probably already are people who have committed to Notre Dame because of Marcus Freeman. No disrespect to Brian Kelly, but I don't think anyone ever committed to Notre Dame because of Brian Kelly. They committed because it was Notre Dame, they were a good program, and they wanted to go to the place. And I think that's where 
look, Lincoln Riley leaves Norman. And the first question is, you know, how many assistants are going to go with them? How many recruits are going to go right. with them? How many current players are going to go with them? And as we've seen, it was a lot. That has not been the case from South Bend to Baton Rouge with Brian Kelly. Obviously, he took a few assistants with him, but it, uh, he, he was never a player's coach, right? And, and when you're not a player's coach and when you take a CEO type of approach to this job, like it's not all warm and cuddly. It's very businesslike. Yeah. And it, it was reciprocated on the other end when he decided to up and leave. And, and the one part, and we've shared this on the share market. I'm not sure if I've shared it on your show left, but I think it it, it will show kind of the the – loss in translation aspect of this. Everyone saw the video, right? You saw the video. Yeah, oh yeah. Three minutes or so. Me- meeting saying. could have been an email. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Pete gets a hold of that video before it goes public. We write the story overnight, print it the next morning. And uh, Pete gets a call from someone at Notre Dame who's in the room and says, uh, you need to print a correction to your story. And me and Peter are like, Correction. Like huh? we literally saw the video. Like yeah. this is the most rock solid thing right. we've ever written. And um the person said, No, you you had a line in there that said, you know, after Brian Kelly spoke, he went out to his right to the door in the goog uh and went off to LSU. And like, no, actually, out of video site, and you've been in the, the auditorium, right? Yeah. The goog yeah. the press conferences so that mm-hmm. you used to. So apparently, after Brian Kelly finished speaking and it was dead silent. He decided it was a good idea to walk up the stairs in the auditorium <laughs> from the first floor to the second floor. And the only reason like the reverse of USC coming down the peristyle entrance. Yeah, I wow. mean, it, 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 it was. Yeah. And according to the people who we spoke to who were in that room, it was the most awkward 30 seconds of everyone's life because he just turned beat red and had his head down. And I don't know if he thought he was going to get a standing ovation or some kind of send off, but like, the way Notre Dame players saw it was screw you. Like, don't tell us we're one of the four best teams and up and leave us when we're literally, I mean, they were one play away, one game away from making the college football playoff. If another result goes their way, that conference yes. Saturday. So um, all of it just kind of boggled my mind as far as how quickly it happened, when it happened. Um, and then how quickly it kind of stabilized and how quickly that place rallied around Marcus Freeman, and the new regime, because, you know, again, if you were to tell me Notre Dame or any blue blood was to lose the winningest coach in program history, my first natural thought is that's a negative, right? Yeah. And I won't go so far as to say it's positive. I mean, we're comparing the winningest coach in Notre Dame history to a guy who's coached one career game as a head coach in college football. And there are absolutely going to be some growing pains with Marcus Freeman, but there is a level of optimism and excitement in South Bend that there has been in quite some time right now. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Now, going from one place where a coach who was there for a long time just left to a place where there's been a coach who he had a chance to leave, probably. He put out a Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street video saying he was staying. <laughs> then he won the league, and now it looks like Pat Narduzzi is at Pitt for a long, long time. Uh, he signed an extension through 2030 at least. We don't know exactly the details because Pitt being, you know, this Pennsylvania's <laughs> open records laws, pretty crappy. You don't get to learn very much. Uh, so we don't really know much in terms of pay raise, uh, how much is guaranteed, buyout, all that stuff. But Pat Narduzzi has signed up through 2030. And it, it's interesting because if I, I think it when Pat took the job, if you told me Michigan State would have opened while he was there, that D'Antonio would have stepped down, that I would have thought he would he would go there. But he seems to have found his bliss at Pittsburgh. Uh, it, it is, it's been up and down, but they're in a, in a great spot right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think naturally we would have thought the next step after Pitt would be Michigan State. Now, again, much like Notre Dame, the timing of that one was weird because it happened right. after the second signing day. That search was an absolute mess. They had to overpay to get Mel Tucker after striking out on him and Luke Fickle initially. So I get why Pat Narduzzi would take a look at that situation, see his mentor step step away from it and think, that's not for me. I got a good thing going here in Pittsburgh. Pitt's been you know, a little bit like NC State to me in the ACC as far as teams that are – you like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. Like I think both programs – I think Pitt broke through the ceiling this year of winning the, the ACC, so you don't want to criticize them too much. But I think both programs have had seasons where you think, you know, why weren't they just a little bit better than what they've been? But you look back historically, in NC State's case, they've never really been all that good. Right. In Pitt's case, they haven't been that good since they were an independent with Dan Marino. I, I was going to say, it's it, yeah, <laughs> you go back to Johnny Majors and, and that. Are, like, Pitt was insanely good in the late 70s, early 80s. Like, if you look, look at those records, it's – Pretty crazy. Jackie Sherrill getting hired away by Texas A&M was, was huge, and and but they they kept on winning. But yeah, it ha, it's been a long time since they were kind of nationally elite. Narduzzi has made them better than than they were. They were kind of wildly inconsistent. I know they had they had years. They played in a in a BCS bowl. They played in the Fiesta Bowl one year. I think they lost to, to right. Urban Meyer's Utah yeah, okay. team after the 04 season, but. Yeah, this is this has been a pretty stable period, and but but it's it, but you're right. There is that now. I may be a little bitter because they did make me eat mayonnaise after losing to NC State in in 2020. But I think about like last year that they win the ACC, great season, lost to Western Michigan at the beginning of the season. Like it just they can't ever seem to put all of that together. But you know, I, I this is something I get into on the show a lot, Matt. I'm I'm curious where you fall on this specifically with Narduzzi because I. I always say, you know, a lot of these guys, you don't have to overpay. You don't have to lock them up forever because they're they're not that different than someone else right. you might get. I do think Narduzzi is a little bit different than someone else you might get. So the, 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 I can see the impetus for, for locking him down. Well, I think when you're in Pittsburgh, right, you're not Clemson or Alabama, and that's no disrespect to Pittsburgh, but like, you kind of have to overpay. When you've got yeah. a good thing going, the same way Michigan State had to overpay for Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, but, you're right. You know, yeah, that's a good point. They were justified giving him ninety-five million dollars. Like, that was a little. <laughs> you do have to overpay to keep your talent. And in Pittsburgh's case, I mean, I think recent history is important for context here. They had 
four head coaches. Yeah, they they were scarred. The, the Todd Graham thing. Said, well, before yeah. that, Mike Haywood. Yeah. That's all. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Todd Graham after a year, and then Paul Christ, who went I think five hundred over three years there, but like that was considered really really good because yeah, and you can't you can't blame Chris for leaving the way well, he did they when he did. The, but, to the ACC during yeah. that transition as well. So. Yeah. It was a program that really needed kind of just an adult in the room to be there and stabilize things. I thought Paul Chris did a good job of that at the time before going back to his alma mater at Wisconsin. And Pat Narduzzi, a guy who had a lot of head coaching opportunities, I think, for many years before Pittsburgh, um, when he was Mark D'Antonio's defense coordinator, uh, finally you know went up to the Power 5 level uh, at Pittsburgh. And look – you know, Pat, I know Pat. I, I like the guy because there's never a dull moment with him. Like he's always going to tell you exactly what he's, what's on his mind. And you might not always agree with him. Um, and I do think some of that, you know, kind of loose cannon personality, his team reflects that sometimes as far as the inconsistency, consistency with which they play uh, Western Michigan game this year being the perfect example of that. But at the end of the day, when you win 11 games, when you win the first outright conference championship in that program's history, when you have a Heisman finalist at quarterback and Kenny Pickett, and a guy who might be the first quarterback drafted this year, a guy who broke pretty much every record that Dan Marino set, mm-hmm. you're doing something right there. I mean, if you said whatever – we, we had this maybe a year ago, this podcast, and said Clemson's run's going to end eventually. Who's going to be the team that ends it? Pittsburgh would not have been the first no, team. No, P- neither would Wake Forest have been, and that's who they played the, <laughs> in the championship game. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see in this era how that works – you know they they have not had a lot of transfer issues. They they've pretty much kept their roster. Yeah, they had good guys coming in, but they yeah they they've had they have good players coming in, but not a lot of good players going out. And and that's I think that's going to become the thing we what we look at. How many of your good players do you lose? And players seem to enjoy playing for Narduzzi. And I, I think that's going to become a metric that we have to kind of keep track of because there's certain coaches. Uh, we we had Brock Purdy on the show a few weeks ago, and he he put it really well, and it was a way I hadn't thought about it. He's like, Matt Campbell's not going to have a problem in this era. Matt Campbell doesn't lie to recruits. He doesn't, you know, he, he's he kind of is who he is, and so guys enjoy playing for him. They feel like they they weren't sold a bill of goods in recruiting. He's like it, Brock Purdy said. He's like, there are a bunch of coaches who are going to get exposed by these transfer rules really soon, and so you look at Narduzzi where. For the most part, it seems like their best players stay and play at Pitt their entire careers. That's a good sign. It is. It, it, again, it's a u- unique job, right? Like you don't have an on-campus stadium despite all that yeah. tradition. And I remember speaking to people in that program in the later part of this year, just talking about the, you know, the season, the ups and downs. And and someone there told me, like, look, that not to excuse that Western Michigan loss, but we just went on the road to Knoxville, Tennessee the week before, right. hundred thousand screaming fans. A talented team. I mean, maybe not the best team in the world, but star ratings wise, they have more talent than we did. We win a tight, tightly contested, hostile game on the road, and we come home to play a MAC team in front of a half empty pro stadium, like at noon. Human nature kicks <laughs> yeah. in it's there. Quite, and quite, know, a, it, quite a drop there. As a coach, like you get paid to kind of avoid that, but it is reality. Yeah. And so I think Pitt's done a better job or Pat Arduzzi has done a better job this year than maybe in previous years of coaching out of that, uh, of getting his guys to not just play to the level of their competition, because again, they had a very good season this year. Um, but even the, the Miami game, I mean, there were some very questionable calls at the end there. 
I think Miami with Tyler Van Dyke was a much better team toward the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, like I, to me, that's a forgivable loss as weird as that may sound. So, well, but this is, and this is my issue. Like we, the big joke on our podcast is never bet on pit. And, and that's, that's my issue is that they're almost always playing to the level of their competition, which, which makes them win games. They probably shouldn't and lose games. They probably shouldn't. The Mayo bath or the Mayo uh, lunch. Yeah. That NC state game a couple years ago, because I saw that one coming from a million miles away. But the other part of it too, look at the coastal, like Mario Cristobal's not playing around. Miami's mm-hmm. going to be a force, at least. North Carolina's been recruiting well. Carolina's They're probably well. going to be good. Virginia yeah. just hired one of the hottest assistant coaches in the country. Virginia Tech just brought a new coach. If you've already got that built-in stable advantage and are the defending conference champions, like you need to elongate that. You need to maximize that and make sure that you've got something that no one else in that division has. And right now, I think Pittsburgh has that going for them. Well, and and so – they they do share a stadium with with the Steelers and uh, I I don't want to talk to you about the NFL because you had a great story coming out of the combine where you talked to some former college coaches that you knew who are now working in the NFL and you did a roundtable with them about what life is like the difference in life in college in the NFL and I think there were if, if we'd have done if you'd have done this story five ten years ago you'd have had a bunch of guys saying, well, I loved working in college. I like working in the NFL. If a better job comes along in college, I'm probably going to take that just because I, but you had some dudes tell you, I'm not going back. Like I'm, I'm done. Like it, it is definitely the, the changes in college football. And, and look, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad thing that college coaching at the highest level still plays, pays plenty of money. And there are plenty of people willing to take that money. But it does seem like if you're giving your druthers rather than coaching the environment in college now, you, you're going to the NFL. Yeah, Andy, I think, like you said, a couple of years ago, it was beauties in the eye of the beholder, right? Like there was a control aspect of college that was very attractive to coaches who are largely control freaks. Mm-hmm. That control aspect is out the window right now yeah. with that NFL transfer portal, at least in the short term. I mean, you're spent, you're recruiting your own roster year round while also recruiting future classes year round. And there's very little vacation time. There's very little downtime. The money is such that if you're a big time head coach or coordinator, the pressure is there. And if you're not a big time head coach or coordinator, the jobs are more demanding than they were before. The salaries are not keeping up at least with those of the people making the most money in your organization. So that part of it um, was not too surprising to me to to hear that from, from some of the people who had left college. But, but I mean, the, the, idea for the story came through the people you know in this business and every time I talked to someone who was in the NFL I would just you know think to myself like why would they ever go back the way you're, you're so happy you don't yeah. have to recruit. you coach football you're dealing with adults like you're not your phone's not on because like there's always something happening right you're on yeah. vacation, even if it's not recruiting. Someone got arrested. Someone got this. Someone has academic issues. That's not a factor in the NFL. Obviously, bad stuff can happen there, but they're mostly adults who understand contracts, understand the stakes that they're in, and are playing to get their next contract. They're not going to do anything to mess that up. So that part of it was what got me going as far as this could be a good story idea and talking to people at the Combine, talking to a few on the phone afterward. Um the the bluntness of most of them as far as like I'm never going back was I know it was like hell no a little bit surprising <laughs> as far as you rarely get that kind of candor 
But when you read the whole story and you hear these experiences, it makes sense. And there was a comment in there saying you should do the reverse with NFL guy, or college guys who left the NFL. And I think that could be a good idea down the road. But in the college realm, even when it is anonymous, you're always recruiting. So yes. I think it'd be harder to get that kind of candor from college coaches than it would be from NFL guys. We'll be right back after these words. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, in the in the examples we've seen, they're hopping right back. I mean, Joe Brady was was great in college. And and you might argue that given what happened with the Panthers, Joe Brady might be more successful as a college coach if he if he wanted to recruit, if he wanted, but I'm not sure he wants that life. Liam Cohen came and did a really great job at Kentucky last year. He's gone. Right. <laughs> He's back with the Rams. So I mean it it is it's tough to to turn down the idea of they're they're both the the similar jobs you're coaching football but one you've got to talk to 16 year olds all day and one you don't and i mean that's a pretty pretty easy decision yeah it's recruiting is obviously the biggest part of it but there's so many little things and some of it couldn't make the story but some of the the duties that these guys were telling me that they had to do for their head coach or for someone else in the building in college on the side yeah it's you know whether it's camps, you know, whether it's speaking arrangements, whether it's this, whether it's that. And like, they're not seeing an extra dime out of all this stuff. And again, no one's going to cry for the the six no. figure college coach. I get that. But burnout is real. I mean, I don't know the guy. I haven't spoke to him. He had nothing to do with the story, but I look at a guy like Matt Luke and think you're 45 going on 65 based on pictures. You just reached the height of your profession and you just decided like, yeah. And you're you're a good offensive line coach. Yeah. So like it's not like he was bad and they they No, it was like threw him out. Like he's good and, but just yeah. didn't want to do it. Yeah. You just don't and it's funny because I feel like we've swung so far from one way to another, right? Where a few years ago, um clearly there was a power imbalance as far as who's making the money in college sports and how the people playing college sports aren't making yeah. any. And it's NIL portal. I think all these things are good things, but because the NCA was scratching and clawing and kicking and screaming to fight against this stuff ever happening, there's no plan for so far out yeah. of the bottle that now it's, it really is chaotic. And I mean, if you're a good college player right now, I think you have more power than if you're a yes. good NFL player, because you don't have a contract and you well, can and, leave and, whatever you want. And the well, it, you have more power than the average good NFL player. The the I think the the great NFL like the QB, the Aaron Donald, yeah, that even type that of player just started the last couple of years, right? But but you're right about the coaches, and I, I I had not thought about it this way. This is a good way to put it. Five ten years ago, if you wanted, if you were a control freak, the NFL would scare you, and college would be your safe place. Now. I think your level of control in either place is probably about the same. You still have more control as a college head coach because you control the roster. And unless you're Bill Belichick, you probably don't in, in, in the pros. But if you're an assistant coach, you don't control much of anything. And 
that's the same as being an assistant in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if you're a high-level Power 5 coach at any position, you're probably making a nice chunk of change relative to what you'd be making in the NFL. Like, money's significant. Like, we can't beat around the bush with that. And I think you're going to make more money at the college level when you're at the peak of the college level. If you're like a coordinator. if you're Yeah, if you're a coordinator or wherever, wherever you may be. Now, some college people have said to me in the past, you know, the NFL is less attractive than attractive to them because like people get fired even more it seems in NFL like I don't have the data right now to tell you what the lifespan is of each but you basically an assistant coach um, now they do get recycled a lot and most of these guys who lose jobs get jobs very shortly afterward but it is different I, I did appreciate the one coach I talked to a guy I've known for a while who's been in the NFL for, for quite some time now and he said you know what I was meant to be a college coach in my 20s. I'm glad I did it then because I like interacting with kids. I like having them all over to my house for barbecues. I like, you know, them playing the kids coming up my family. I like mentoring them and so forth. He goes, but at this age of my life where I've got my own family, I've got kids. I've got, you know, sports games to go to, dance recitals to go to. I'm very glad I scratched that itch when I did because I don't ever see myself going back right now. He goes, but I also don't know if I'd be as good of an NFL coach as I am right now if not for that experience. And so that was like the, the most personal um, kind of clear explanation. Yeah. One, one of the coaches you talked to talked about relationship building. Cause I always thought, you know, the NFL coaches don't really have that much of a relationship with their players compared to the college coaches. But the, the, this coach put it really well. It, it says it's just different because those NFL players are at such a different stage in your life where they are getting married, they're having kids, all things that as an older person that you remember that more vividly than you remember being like, I remember when our kids were young, a lot more vividly than I remember being in college. So if I were dealing with someone on a daily basis who was going through having a newborn, wait, I am, it's Ari, but (laughs) I have a lot fresher perspective on that than I would on being a freshman in college, for example. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if this is true anymore, but in the NFL, like they can sense be players can sense BS. Yeah. You're not going to motivate them or use some slogan or, you know, all the stuff that we see a college coaches use for recruiting. None of that's going to work on the pros. You either know ball or you don't. And if you know ball, they're going to respect you. And if they respect you, there's going to be the chance to have those kinds of relationships. And, um, you know, we beat this dead horse to death, but you know, urban Meyer, great example, right? Like, perfect college coach five years ago. I don't know how he'd fit in in today's game and not surprised he failed at the NFL level because he is a control freak. And that just isn't going to get it done for the roster of guys who don't care what you did in your previous life and who yeah. you're, whose respect you need to win over. Which how can you help that. me get mine? That, yes. is, that, that is the and, – and look – that's kind of the attitude in college. It was always the attitude in college. People forget that guys were still clawing and, and fighting for draft position and all that stuff. Now they're just doing that and also trying to get deals or trying to make more. And, you know, look, that's that's life. Every profession is like that. So it, it, it will. I think it will be, begin to feel more normal in college. But there's a lot of coaches who were control freaks who chose that level because it gave them a a larger measure of control 
And they're just either going to let it go or they're going to leave and be replaced by a population that does not care as much about having absolute power. Yeah, it's what's I hate to sound like all these administrators that I always make fun of every time they give out statements on these things. But like, what will the guardrails or parameters be on a transfer portal? Because at some point you can't have it be year round, right? You can't just. Yeah, I I think there's ways to do it where it doesn't have to be. 100% 100% year round and everybody can move when they want to move. Do you think there are ways to do it like that? I do. I do. I because oh. if you want to if you want to play the next season like you for example, there's no reason to have the transfer portal open in season. Because you can't play somewhere else this season. Right. So, you're already on scholarship at the place. Reasonably, you can say you suck it up for two more months and then you can go where you're going and they'll give you a scholarship and, and you'll be playing for them next year like you want to. And what's harm? Who's harmed in that deal? You know, is the player's freedom of movement restricted in that deal? I don't think it is. But you've given the coaches a, a little more defined window of when they can go after these guys, when they, they can bring them on campus for a visit that sort of thing. And they don't have to worry about it while they're trying to coach their own team. And also, maybe there's not so many impulsive type, I'm I'm leaving. You know, I didn't play enough snaps this game. I'm out. Because that player may regret that decision too. So you, you give both sides a little bit of, of protection there without limiting what the players could actually do. Because I, I don't think you can, if, if you make it where... You're blocking transfers. You're doing it. You're, that's not going to work. You know, you're, there will be a legal challenge to that, and and the schools will lose. It sounds a little like the De'Ara King situation at Houston, right? Like, yeah. shut it down after four games. I'm coming back until I'm not, and that's right. that. But I think everyone inside Houston knew what was going on there. I mean, I, I'll be very curious to just see. I hate to use like these like Michael Bay like terms, day of reckoning, or or, or whatever you want to call it, but like. <laughs> I came to a very simple conclusion through reporting that story, which is like, this is unsustainable for college coaches. It just is. I, I mean, I'm, I, and I don't know. Well, they'll just, they'll burn out faster and, and we'll see more churn. Yeah. More but at some point, else. like, like the workforce right now, right? Every restaurant you walk into right now in America has right. a hiring side. Like there's gotta be something that. Well, there, there, there is something Matt. there, there's always a solution to that. What's that money? You give somebody enough money, they'll do just about anything. Everyone has a price. I agree with that. I just, yeah, we'll see. I mean, but the quality is eventually going to go down, right? If you're throwing money around at your seventh choice for is a it, wide receiver's coach. Is it really? Again, there's a finite number of jobs in the NFL, too. So once they're full, if those people want to make money, and now they could do something else, but if they if they desire to coach ball and to make money... There's only one other place they can do it. So (laughs) I don't think he, I don't know what Kevin Sumlin's making with the, uh, what is it? He's with the Houston gamblers. Is that all I know is Bob Bob, now going by Robert Diaco is uh, on Mike Riley's staff with the New Jersey team. Robert Diaco. That sounds, uh, I listen, we make fun of Bob Diaco a lot for things he said and did while the head coach at Connecticut 
I realize nobody's found the civil conflict trophy. It's one of the great mysteries of college football. But that man predicted games on Nickelodeon. He sure did. Way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Speaking of things on your TV, I didn't watch the Oscars. Like everybody else, I saw the slap heard around the world on social media. But Matt Fortuna, I grew up watching a lot of pro wrestling. And my first thought was, this is a work. This is a shoot that turned into a work. So real or fake? It's it's it was really funny because I, I usually don't follow or watch any of these award shows or anything like that. Um, and I just I filed a story for today. I just sat down after dinner on the couch with my wife who had it on, and it was like maybe five minutes before. Oh wow! So you saw it live? Yeah. Oh, so I saw it live. You saw Will Smith walking up to Chris Rock, and you're like, well, it, "We have YouTube TV, which is always delayed." And yeah. I just had no idea what was going, but I, you know, I'm a professional lip reader like everyone else. And I'm like, okay, look at like Katie, look at Will Smith saying right now, like keep, you know, keep my wife's name, uh, your bleeping mouth. And so it's like the one time, like I'm pretty disciplined when I'm watching sports. Like I like to take everything in as it happens and form my own opinions and not just go on Twitter and see what everyone's talking about with this. Since I clearly don't know anything about Oscars and I didn't really understand if my TV just went out or not, I immediately went on. Yeah, I, I went down a Will and Jada rabbit hole after after all this, well, well, too. Yeah, so. I, uh, I mean, I got the Cliff Notes version of that for my wife, who reads all this stuff. And, like, yeah, I mean, it's – I initially thought fake because, as stated earlier, I'm pretty jaded, and I watch there, a lot of wrestling. Well, and and my thing was their ratings were at an all-time low last year. And that got people talking. And nobody was, nobody was talking about the Oscars, and now everyone's talking about the Oscars. I agree with all that. However, I – don't know what's in it for Will Smith. True. He did win Best Actor anyway. Yeah. Right. I don't know what's so, in it for him. I did not see the movie. I will say, like, my 30,000-foot view of this whole situation, I felt really bad for the Williams family because this should have been, like, their crowning night. Right. And, and, and so he's, like, he's basically using that, that as an excuse. Like, just like me playing Richard, I'm sure Venus and Serena are like, no, no, that doesn't... It, yeah, it just... I, I mean... You said you went down the rabbit hole. I think our listeners can do that on our own oh, yeah. without us like explaining kind of well, the backstory well, there. But here's the thing. So I, the reason I think it's real, my, my initial response is this has to be fake. This my has turn. to be staged. There's two, two reasons I think it's real. One, Will Smith laughed at the dumb yes. G.I. Yes. Jane joke. And then you see him turn to face Jada, who clearly is not amused, who is highly offended and i i can tell you and and i'm sure you can too anybody's been married a while understands this like the second you see your wife looking like that you better do something i don't know if you got to do that but well, you better in, do in something in a nutshell if that was me or you i would agree because we went we've gone down this rabbit hole and we know way more about their relationship <laughs> there's some history yes <laughs> there's just no logical conclusion for anything those two do in my mind as far yes. as like you guys are operating on a different plane yeah. than the, I am the, right now. The, the, other, the, the other thing that makes me think it's real is if you watch the slow-mo of the, of the slap, the look on Chris Rock's face, like, what? But, like, talk about a recovery. I, clearly, he was rattled, but, like, he just yeah. kept going. He well, really Smith just went up here and smacked him. Like, I feel like you've got to be used to that or um, – at least prepared for that when you're a comedian, I would guess, because like you're always going to piss off someone. Right. I, Chris Rock has has been a stand-up long enough that I'm sure 
no matter what happens, he can keep the show going. Me, but, I'd be like, commercial, Oscar commercial. Like, the other weird part, why I thought it was staged, and I don't now, but like why I at the time thought it might have been was like everything just kept going. Like Will's still sitting there in the front row. Like usually, like people freak out at the first thing that goes off script, and it just felt like at least watching it on TV, like okay, like that was the bit. Let's go on. And then the speech just kind of confused me even more. But yeah, I don't. Was there any follow up with any of this? I know I saw people saying like they told the reporters not to ask questions about this at the press conference. Like, has anyone commented on it that was actually? Involved? I, I mean, other than the the apology, I, I don't. I know he apologized to the much of an academy. Just said I'm sorry. Didn't say for yeah. <laughs> but I yeah I. But here's the thing: the academy wins and. Was it ABC that broadcast? They, yeah. Whoever was broadcasting it wins because here we are talking about it. And this is not an event we would have... Because it, it, it's interesting. And I think of this through the lens of what we watch, how we watch college football and how that's changing and all these new media rights deals. There's so little that we watch live anymore that we need, you know... Like, it, and, unless you'd have told me that that was going that something like that was going to happen, there's no way in hell I would have ever turned the Oscars well, on. Life and I did. The most valuable product on TV. Exactly. This is why the Big Ten is about to be rolling in money because they're already rolling in money. Let's let's make that yeah, clear. They're going to be right, rolling about to be rolling in more money because when when Minnesota and Wisconsin play, even if Vegas thinks Wisconsin's going to win, sometimes Minnesota wins. Yeah, and, and that's worth a lot of money. Who's capable of? Doing some pretty funny stuff on live TV that's going to make people's jaws drop. Exactly, exactly. So, it that's that's a very weird way of getting back to sports and all that stuff. But it's true. But if you want to explain to a person why, even though the ratings aren't necessarily what they were twenty years ago, why these companies are willing to fork over so much money for NFL games, for NBA games, for college football games, that's why because. You didn't know you were going to get that moment at the Oscars. You do know you're going to get that moment when St. Peter's plays Kentucky or some, you know, at some point in the NCAA tournament. Right. You don't know which one, but you're going to get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, leave it to the Oscars and however old Will Smith is now for me to actually hear the man curse or do something. Like he was, he was the only clean rapper growing up. Yeah, was I was like, going my records. DJ Jazzy Jeff's like, man, we could have made so much more if you had just cussed. I was half expecting the presenter to say, and the uh, and the award for best actor goes to Will Smith for five minutes ago, and yeah. that was <laughs> Will Smith and Chris Rock yeah. for just now before that last commercial, <laughs> or Chris Rock to come out off the top rope. Yeah, someone already dubbed it with uh, Jim Ross. Oh yeah, amazing. yeah, it was that man has a family. Absolutely, <laughs> Matt Fortuna. Thank you so much. We'll let you get back to your own family, but uh, this is this has been spectacular, and uh, we will have you back again very soon. Awesome, Andy. Thanks for having me.